When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The race is on, and Lewis Hamilton has finally signed his long-awaited contract to stay in Formula 1 and race for Mercedes in 2021. But so far, he's only confirmed for 2021, meaning attention is already turning to what might happen next year. I'm Ed Straw, and joining me to untangle a contractual web is Scott Mitchell. Well, Scott, we've been waiting for this day for a, a very long time. For, it feels like it's a good six months we've been anticipating uh, this announcement. So finally it's here. So at least it's a relief to get it over and done with. Yeah, but it's only partly over and done with, isn't it? As you said, it's sort of the, the deal only covers 2021, which means we stop speculating about uh we stop speculating about one element of the deal and we start speculating immediately over another part of it because uh yeah, the gossip hasn't actually ended, has it? It's just um it's just resumed in a, diff- a slightly different form. Um, there are there are some quite important questions to ask in the waste in the wake of this. It's obviously a much anticipated uh, renewal, um, and it's also a one year deal that Toto Wolff said last year he was very keen to avoid. Um, so yeah, resolved but only partly resolved. Well, before we get into the questions, let's just quickly run through what exactly we know, what's been said about this Hamilton deal. Yeah, so uh, basically, as I said, it's, it's a one it's a one year deal. Um, with the rationale being that um, that they they will come to discuss in twenty twenty two and beyond later on uh, this year. Um, it comes with uh, the the creation of a new joint charitable foundation, um, which will look to uh, fulfil Hamilton and Mercedes' ambitions in improving diversity and inclusivity in. Um, in, in motorsport um so it keeps mercedes and hamilton together for 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 the 2021 season with the prospect of an eighth title for hamilton and obviously that means it brings him in line with the end of the current rule cycles and means he is out of contract and mercedes has two seats available uh technically for the start of the the 2022 era so that is basically it. There, there really isn't a great deal of detail around um, around the new contract. I guess I guess one thing that's worth um, dismissing as uh, dismissing as basically not uh, not confirmed in, information. Um, I'm sure we'll get into a few other elements of this in a bit. But that, there was obviously quite a lot of speculation about why this hasn't happened. Before we go into the why it didn't happen, let's give a reason that Toto Wolff says. Let me try to word this correctly that Toto Wolf says this isn't why it didn't happen, <laughs> uh, which is um, being being greedy with money, demanding a veto on the teammate, uh, demanding that he, he gets a share of uh, Mercedes F1 revenues and stuff like this. Toto says none of that is is to blame for this being this being dragged out. But yeah, apart from that, there is precious little detail being being shared at the moment. Well, what's abundantly clear is there's something that's not quite come together because obviously Mercedes would have wanted a longer term deal. Hamilton appeared to to be happy to consider a longer term deal. 
the stuff Toto Wolf said about, well, we went for a one-year deal because a lot's changing next year, so we want to see how the world is, etc. To me, that would be an argument for getting at least the driver, the star driver, the guy who has won six world championships for your team in the past seven years to get him under lock and key rather than creating another uncertainty. So I don't entirely buy that. So if if we wanted to drill down into why exactly there's this kind of holding pattern that appears to have been created with a little bit of movement with a few other things in this deal, but it it's like the can's been kicked down the road to an extent, hasn't it? They've It almost feels like they've done the bare minimum to get 2021 sorted. And then there's still a lot of things to tie. So if it's not down to money or vetoes or revenue or all these things, where do we think the problem or the, not necessarily the problem because it's a negotiation, it's not necessarily a fundamental problem, but where are the two sides not quite connected for something more long-term? Well, even though even though Toto says that you know money is not the sticking point, there were other things that he said that indicate or suggest that it is because he said that the uncertainties that might arise or, or or need to be resolved before they can commit to 2022, for example, uh, centre on the ongoing impact of the COVID-19 pandemic. That's obviously going to keep impacting on Mercedes F1 revenues because we don't know if we're going to get 23 races. We don't know how many of those races are going to have any fans, let alone full spectator attendance. Um the automotive industry is still obviously in the early stages of a massive uh, transformation into electric mobility, uh, which requires investment. Um, and also for a company like Mercedes, it's also involving downsizing in certain areas and, and, and cutting jobs. So it's quite a it's a difficult situation to be in. And I, I interpreted that at least to mean that basically Mercedes doesn't know what money it's going to have to invest in Formula One. Um that's not to say it's going to withdraw, not by any means, but it does impact sort of the uh, the total amount that's available. Um, I think it's a I think it's a fair and logical conclusion to draw from that 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 means that the um, the check that they can cut for Hamilton is not a blank one. There are, there are limits to what Mercedes is willing to 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 give Hamilton in 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 return for for him driving for the team. So. That that is, if I was going to put my finger on sort of one specific tangible factor, I think it is probably um, financial because uh, well, I'm trying to think the fairest way to word it, but basically we've got to a situation where yes, as Toto says, there are you know we needed it, they needed to get it done basically the the time we got to a point where time had almost run out for 2021 uh and therefore they've agreed terms that are effectively acceptable for 2021 but might not be acceptable for 2022 or at the very least neither party is ready to commit to those terms for 2022 at this stage but the fact is there had to be a massive delay to get us to this point where time had run out and while Toto points to various external factors for that, such as um, the intensity of last year's schedule, uh, the interruption of COVID making it sort of less desirable to meet face-to-face, um, and then the, I guess, sort of interesting point that they were going to discuss it face-to-face or in person in Bahrain, but that was ruled out because Lewis then got COVID, so they couldn't do that there. Then they started the process post-season just before Christmas, but it ticked over into January. And just basically just this long, drawn-out process. Uh, But if it was that simple to strike a deal, 
then it wouldn't have rolled on until the very end of January or whenever it was that they actually finally signed. So, yeah, there has to be some kind of sticking point. And if Toto's saying it wasn't about a veto, it wasn't about um, Hamilton demanding a certain you know bonus or something like that, but he's also acknowledging the fact that there are going to there are you know uncertainties on the financial side for the team in the coming months. That I think it's a logical conclusion to suggest that there's something on the salary side that that held it up. It seems a perfectly reasonable conclusion. And there's the other complication. You referred to Hamilton and Mercedes as the two parties. You're referring to Mercedes, of course, as the the Formula One team. But it's not the car company, not anymore, because this is now owned in three equal shares by by Daimler, so that's Mercedes, by Toto Wolff, and by Jim Ratcliffe, the, the majority owner and chairman of Ineos. So it's no longer quite so simple, is it? It's between Hamilton and I guess it's got to be at least two-thirds of those those three parts of the ownership, which has got to complicate the way things work. Last time Hamilton did a deal with them, it was Mercedes, majority-owned, so there was kind of control there. It's a little bit more straightforward. It was a car company. Now you've got a car company that's obviously in a different situation to where it was a few years ago when the last deal was done because the automotive industry is facing a lot of challenges. And then you've got the two kind of independent elements, one of which has a long history with Hamilton, one of which a relatively short one on the, the Jim Ratcliffe side. So I wonder how that fits in and in ultimately what the objective is for their ownership in terms of what revenue they want to make, who knows whether there's any disagreement as to what they rate the, the value of the driver is. No question, Hamilton's worth a lot of money. He's an absolutely outstanding driver. Yeah, he may be turning 37 this year, but he's still at the top of his game, so he's worth a lot. So I just wonder if there's some feeling out exactly what, what direction they want to go with long term. Although we should say that the fact that was all being sorted out last year perhaps played a part in delaying the start of this process. So in in the defence of the Mercedes team side, that maybe had a knock-on effect in terms of pushing them into a bit of a corner on the timing. Yeah, I, I would add as well, because you've, you're have you absolutely right about the sort of shared ownership now. This is why I think that even if it is, even if it has been a financial thing that, that held things up, or, or at the very least sort of meant that there needed to be a bit more negotiation, because Toto has always insisted that they haven't been sort of massively you know, unaligned on, on, on this sort of thing. They, and, and he's always said that, that Hamilton has had this uh, understanding of the delicate economic situation that, that, that we're in and the fact that there are bigger things than motorsport to worry about at the moment with, with, every, with, with the, the pandemic, the impact that's had on people's health and also on, on, on employment. Um, but at the same time, Toto has acknowledged this in the past as well. Hamilton's stock is at an all-time high Mercedes is the only Formula One team that has even been close to turning a profit in recent years and is on the brink of uh, becoming a a very profitable organisation with the the cost cap coming into play. Um, And and Hamilton is a key part of that. You know, he, he has been a driving force in Mercedes getting billions in advertising equivalent revenue and new sponsorship and soon profit and uh, nice salaries for everybody involved. So, I think he's I think he's perfectly entitled to say, well, the team's not really losing money at the moment. If anything, it's about to start making money. I was paid X last year. Why would I take less than I think I deserve now? When I'm a seven-time world champion, the most successful driver in F1 history, 
and I'm giving the company and the F1 team more than any company or F1 team's ever got out of Formula One. So I can I can un, I can understand that, and that that's why a 2021 only deal kind of makes sense because, at least from that perspective, because it may well be that they just haven't quite been able to come to terms, come to agreement on terms that work in the for two years or three years or, you know, work for, okay, Lewis, you want to be a, a Grand Prix driver for another two years, maybe three years. And then after that, you want to be an ambassador. You know, the, the all the terms are going to change. How are you going to be involved? How are we going to use your time? What are we going to pay you for the different things that you do? Um, that That's quite a lot to, 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 to get sorted. Um, but I think on the you know, again, reflecting on it purely from a financial point of view, um, what I I can see exactly why he'd hold out, especially as there's obviously no no real risk of him losing that drive or likewise him going else elsewhere. So there also wasn't quite that sort of push pull element was there on the 2021 negotiations, which obviously won't necessarily be the case for 2022. Ultimately, I think it puts Hamilton in a pretty good position because he's going to do this season. I think most people would, if they were going to put some money on it, back him to win that eighth world championship. So he'll have the major records sewn up once he's done that. So it's kind of mission accomplished. I got the feeling, I think we've talked about this before, uh, Mark Hughes said the same thing, that Hamilton perhaps is at a point, not necessarily where he wants to walk away from Formula One, but he is ready to, if you see what I mean. He doesn't have to stay there at any cost. So he's then got a reasonable amount of control for next year because we can talk about Mercedes might want to look towards the future. But when you've got a driver of that quality, you know, if you've got Ayrton Senna and he's 37 years old and still being brilliant, you're not worried about him turning 40, are you? If you're any of these great drivers, you want to keep them going as long as you can while they're still performing. Hamilton's still performing. So he'll still be in a strong position. I do wonder if within what's been announced, there's a little bit of a halfway house whereby, obviously, Mercedes as a team, the first thing they want is to have Hamilton in for 2022 ideally but if you can't do that you can have a contract that will ensure that if he is in Formula One next year it's with your team and therefore he won't be elsewhere so there could be a longer term element to this that covers whether he can go elsewhere etc so there may be some protections in there I don't know haven't seen the deal so that that's purely speculative but looking at the bigger picture what do you think they will see as the long-term plan. We've had people talking about the need to think about succession planning. Obviously, George Russell and Max Verstappen are the two big players in that longer-term future. There's poor old Valtteri Bottas thinking, can he cling on by his fingertips for another year? And actually, this one-year Hamilton deal might be to his advantage. How do you think Toto Wolff and Jim Ratcliffe and the Daimler board are looking at this situation and how it might play out? What are the alternatives? Um, so we have a situation where Mercedes obviously wants to give um, first consideration to Hamilton and Bottas beyond 2021 because he, uh, Toto Wolff, has always said that that loyalty is something that they, they they take very seriously. But they also need to consider the the long term health of the of the lineup and where they want to go. Um, I I think you're right about whether Bottas might be advantaged because I just think. I'm not saying Hamilton and Bottas are a package deal, but it works very well for Mercedes, doesn't it? And if you're going to sign up Hamilton just for one more year, it's not a bad idea to have Bottas yet again. If there is no veto on the other car, then I guess 
putting George Russell in for a year and blooding him before you know he becomes Hamilton's successor kind of makes sense. So there's an argument for him for 2022. But if you were if you're really pulling out all the stops, as much as Mercedes might want to do right by by George, given his apprenticeship at Williams. I think you've got to be looking at whether you can get Verstappen out of his Red Bull deal because I think he's the best driver bar Hamilton in Formula One at the moment. Um, yes, he is on that long-term deal, but there are bound to be break clauses in it. Uh, so I just think it makes... I. It's not that it makes total sense to explore that. It makes no sense to me whatsoever not to explore that. And I just think, as much as I massively rate George, I think... With a guy like Verstappen, if you think you can get him or you want to check to see if you can get him, I think he's got to be first on your list because he's a just a, f- a fractionally better driver and is proven at the very front in Formula One. Well, that's why almost I feel like Mercedes have lost out a little bit, perhaps by not making the change for Russell this year. It was obviously too late to make that change by the time he was in the car for the Sakir Grand Prix and did that fantastic performance. Could well have won the race. It was already tied down for, for next year. But it doesn't quite line up nicely because ideally you'd want Russell to have a year alongside Hamilton at least. And that's why I think it could also benefit Bottas both ways because A, he's quite a nice teammate for Hamilton if Hamilton wants to sign a new deal for another year or two thereafter. So that puts Bottas in a better position. But also, if Hamilton were to retire at the end of this season, and let's say for the sake of argument for Stappen's coming in, you'll be thinking, well, we've got all these changes. Do we really want complete discontinuity and not even carry over one driver? You could argue make a clean break, but Russell's really, really outstandingly good. And I really do think he needs to be in the Mercedes soon, but that might play into Bottas's favour as well. Also, Verstappen might quite like Bottas rather than George Russell in terms of that, because Russell has undoubtedly got a greater upside to him than than Bottas does so it's it's quite interesting it'll all come down to timing won't it because Wolf has said that they want to get on to the 2022 deal for Hamilton much much earlier than they did the 21 deal last year he wouldn't put an exact timeline on that but when all this plays out it's going to be really interesting because then we've got the whole extra dimension of how Red Bull gets on their likely deal to have the, the Honda continuation engine how they perform and how that impacts the potential availability of Verstappen. It's a, it's a really interesting, delicate balance. If you're if you're someone like Verstappen, if you're someone like Daniel Ricciardo as well, although he's got a couple of years uh, deal with McLaren, anybody like that who knows they'll be in the top four or five names if you want a top driver will be thinking, oh, this could be quite interesting and all waiting on what happens with Hamilton. Yeah, the knock-on effect is going to be huge. First, from the fact that this is only a one-year deal, but then however long it takes to get a 2022 contract done, every extra week or month that that drags on, the impact gets bigger. Because, yeah, theoretically, a lot of drivers are out of sync for this. It's um, the opportunity of a lifetime in terms of trying to be the one that replaces Hamilton, just as the likes of Ricardo, Sebastian Vettel or Fernando Alonso, they're all beginning uh, two-year deals with new teams. But contracts can be broken, and or they might have get out clauses um and basically anybody who thinks that they could benefit from this whether it whether it's the one year deal or whether it's the fact that it then kicks on and on and on and is delayed further and further into this year anyone who thinks they can benefit from this will either be double checking and triple checking their contracts or they will be waiting as long as possible to avoid committing to anything 
beyond 2021. And yeah, Verstappen is the the really fun one to consider, but there are a lot that um, there are a lot of drivers that this would this would impact, and it only takes one or two big names to move around, and then there's like extra pieces that fall as a result. So it's absolutely fascinating to see how it works out. I mean, just to reiterate what I said earlier, whatever deal has been struck for 2021, it's not guaranteed to work for 2022 as well. If it was, they'd have done it. They'd have signed. They'd have said, okay, yeah, cool. This works for two years. So we'll do it as a two-year deal. But they both wanted the flexibility of this being a one-year deal. So Mercedes and Hamilton do have to re-enter talks at some point. That means that Hamilton's future is the subject of intense speculation again. We go, we get back on the merry-go-round. But I think the stakes are higher because Hamilton leaving F1 at the end of 2021, I don't know about you, Ed, but to me, that seems a lot likelier than him leaving at the end of last year. Yeah, certainly. Because 2021 is a little bit of a gimme year, should we say, in terms of winning that eighth world championship. I don't want to denigrate Hamilton in any way stretch or form he's earned that position but it would be not quite inconceivable but it's very unlikely that Mercedes won't have the strongest package this year so of course they want to profit from that but it it creates some real instabilities for Mercedes because we have got the new rules for 2022 comprehensive overall of the the chassis aero rules etc now Mercedes is a really good team there's no reason why they would be knocked off their perch by that but it is a massive disruptive factor And if you're that team, the last thing you want to do is create some uncertainty. Now, if you can plug a Verstappen in, Verstappen's good. Verstappen is so good. I think, let's say Hamilton were to retire and and Verstappen jumps in the car for 22, Mercedes would be all right. There's not many drivers like that. Very, very few, in fact. So the last thing Mercedes will want to do in 22 is have the risk and the sort of Damocles hanging over them. They could have a a subpar driver lineup. And I mean that in terms of you need a driver who's ready to fight for a championship right now or in 12 months' time. Now, George Russell could well be in the future, but you can't pitch a driver from a Williams into a Mercedes and necessarily expect him to be at his absolute best to fight for the championship. And if it's really marginal, that's where the difference is really made. And that's the difference Hamilton can make. We saw that 2018, for example. Think of races like Russia and Monza where he really forced the issue and made the difference. So... I think it's a it's a really interesting crossroads for Mercedes to be at. I don't think it's going to be very comfortable for Toto Wolff and Jim Ratcliffe and other Clenius at Mercedes because it's just not the right position to be in. They can say all they want about their roughly a line, oh, they run out of time, this, that, and the other. But there are fundamental stumbling blocks and questions which you don't want as a business. And that's great for everyone watching and for us to talk about and try and understand what's going on. But it's not great for, for that team because there's not many Lewis Hamiltons around. There's there's one Lewis Hamilton and there's maybe a couple of other drivers you could argue could do a similar level job in that car. But you know this idea that you can just put anyone in a Mercedes and they'll win the championship is a complete and utter nonsense that, that massively does down how good a driver like Hamilton is. Yeah, absolutely. And also it's worth pointing out that last year when Mercedes had their biggest performance advantage for who knows how long... Um, you know, Verstappen very realistically could have beaten Bottas in the championship. And while you have to obviously take that with a pinch of salt, because in a year in which Bottas has someone like Russell as his teammate, I think Bottas is picking up more points for wins than he did up against Hamilton. So there are always considerations that you need to make like that. But at the same time, I think uh, I think there is also the possibility that Verstappen takes points off of both Mercedes more often than he does just sniping one of them. So 
the point about having someone to slot in and be a champion straight away is really important because I don't necessarily think Bottas is going to step up and lead that team. And as much as I really rate Russell, and I think what he did in Bahrain in his one-off was absolutely mega, doing that one weekend when there isn't really any pressure or expectation beyond, obviously, I you know what you do here is going to leave a lasting impression. And the fact that Bottas was the one who went into that weekend in a lose-lose situation... That doesn't mean that he can do that over the course of a full season. So, yeah, I think t- it basically takes us back to a point I think you made quite early on when we started talking, Ed. Hamilton's just in a really strong position because he he has the flexibility to do what he wants. Um, he can bow out of Formula One as the outright undisputed best driver ever at the end of this year, statistically, because he won't be, he probably won't be level with Schumacher on seven titles anymore. He'll be on an unprecedented eighth title. Um, He'll have banked another year of um, promoting his diversity and inclusivity um, efforts. The foundation he started with Mercedes will be up and running. Uh, The Hamilton commission will have made its recommendations to, to organizations in the UK and he'll be in a position to basically go into a new life away from F1 as a driver and do what he wants. There won't be any obligation for Hamilton competitively, financially, or any of this to to stick around. And I think Mercedes has more to lose by losing Hamilton than Hamilton has to lose by leaving F1 at the end of 2021 instead of 2022. So, yeah, it's, um, we're obviously... this. We're here and talking because he's done his 2021 deal, but it's what it means for post-2021 that's comfortably the most interesting factor about this one-year deal. Yeah, if it was a a three-year deal or a two-plus-one deal, they could say, well, it took a bit longer than we wanted, but we've got everything set. This is great, but it it has just kicked that can just far enough down the road for it not to be uh, urgently pressing. But I think the point you make about Hamilton and where he is, he's not just a racing driver, is he? He's particularly over the past year, He's emerged as a, an ever more important voice. Really interested to see what this joint charitable foundation that was apparently Kalenius's suggestion, the uh, the Daimler chairman of the board, suggested it is there to support diversity in, in all its forms in motorsport, which is a very positive thing. So really interesting to see how where Hamilton goes with that because he's got a great platform with this this Mercedes drive. And I think that's good for Formula One as well. We've had Stefano Domenicali talk about how he wants the drivers to to conduct themselves and get behind this kind of thing. So I think that's very, very encouraging. But yeah, it's going to be quite a lot more uncertainty. Who knows? We may be here on February the 8th, 2022, talking about whether Hamilton's going to sign a new deal or not, or whether they're going to put who knows who uh, into the car. Uh, thanks very much, Scott Mitchell, for your insight. There's loads to read on therace.com. And don't forget the hyphen, including... The everything you need to know about Hamilton's new F1 deal. There's also a great piece by Mark Hughes, which is considering what it could mean for maybe ushering in the, the Max Verstappen era in the future, very much based on, well, what if Hamilton doesn't continue after this contract? Do check out our other podcasts, including Bring Back V10s, currently in the midst of its third season. And also check out our YouTube channel, just search for The Race. There'll be plenty to watch there. Thanks for listening and we'll be back soon with another Race F1 podcast.